Welcome back into our Huskers Radio Network podcast. I'm Jessica Cootie, and today we continue our Title IX podcast series as we celebrate excellence in women's athletics for 50 years of Title IX. And I'm so very excited for today's conversation as we welcome in Chris Anderson, a longtime staple of this Nebraska Athletics Department. What, 40, 40 years almost? Counting the student years, yes. Wow, so okay. Wow. <laughs> Worked in the sports information department and currently works with Tom Osborne in the teammates organization. So we're going to dive into all of that. You've got, I know, so many great stories to tell. So let's start at the beginning. You grew up, you're a Nebraska kid. Did you always grow up loving sports? I did love sports. I just wasn't a very good athlete. <laughs> so you come to Nebraska and you decide to major in journalism. Journalism. I knew that all along. Okay. And so what, what did you want to do? Did you want to do sports information when you started? Uh, no, I wanted to be the weather girl on 1011. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you transition then into, you know, working in communications? Well, um, I live one mile from Panama, Nebraska, and Don Bryant's son lived in Panama, and he suggested, since I was in journalism, and I was working for him, and he owned The Voice, which was a small-town newspaper, he suggested that I hit up his dad, Don Bryant, for a job, and the rest literally is history. I walked into Don's office, he interviewed me, and he said, well, we have a position in women's athletics, and I said, sure. And that was my very first day of school in 1979. Wow. So what did you love about it that you thought, okay, this is going to be my career? <sighs> I loved telling great, upbeat, fun stories. Loved being at sporting events, so it was never a job to me. Uh -huh. And I just loved being a part of a team, even though I couldn't run fast and I couldn't, wasn't tall enough to jump over the net or anything like that so. <laughs> that's awesome so in 1993 you were promoted to the director of sports information and you became one of the first women to be in that role for division one football program so what was that like did you realize at the time that there weren't very many women in that role and how did that come about that you felt ready for that job well, Don Bryant was very encouraging to me. Um, we all decided it would be best to try it as an interim, just to make sure I was comfortable as well. And so it was kind of a whole year of learning, And but he would teach me along the way. And all the coaches I worked with were just so gracious. They didn't, they didn't ever hesitate to work with me. They just said, what do you need to do differently than a man to do your job? And what can we do to help you? So I... I feel so blessed. So, and again, you know, the, the term trailblazer is what we're using as we honor women throughout this, this season. And so did you realize you were a trailblazer at the time? For the record, I do like trailblazer over pioneer. So thank you okay. very much. <laughs> Love it. Um, no, I don't think I really did because I was part of COSIDA, which is the College Sports Information Directors of America. And there were a lot of pretty young women at that time finding their way into sports and a lot of opportunities and so I didn't really realize it right away no I was just trying to do the best I could here it didn't really get beyond the doors of the stadium here as far as I was concerned you know we had talked to Pat Logston earlier this year and, and she had talked about how Tom Osborne was so great about her and her position and allowing women to have roles that again weren't normal across the country. Yeah. So what was your perspective of that, of, of 
Tom Osborne and, and working with him back when you first took over that role in, in the early 90s? Well, he was the first one that came to me and asked me what, what he, I felt I needed from him to be able to do it effectively and um, asked me if it was, you know, did I need to be at every practice? Did I need to be in the locker room? Did I need to stay each night because, you know, of family and such? And I said, no, I can use, I can do it this, 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 and it was perfect. I mean, it, it really was pretty seamless between myself and the football program and coach just made everybody feel comfortable always and of course very respectful of everyone he has ever met so so you sign on and then nebraska just wins national championships what yeah. was the the first few years like i gotta imagine it was just a whirlwind you go into that role and then all of a sudden now you're you're working with the best team in the country yeah you know um probably what stands out to me the most is when brooke died quite honestly and that put every single thing from that moment on into complete perspective because you just can't get that back and it was so monumental and so I've always just said I have this little Don Bryant voice in my head Chrissy there are more important things in life than football and that's always been my mantra and particularly and then losing Jake Young and um, Sam Foltz after that you know I'm just continually reminded that it's there are a lot more important things, but it sure was fun. When, you know, as a someone that's in that role that is working so closely with the team, to see a national championship at the end of the season, how special was that one? Because I know we talked to Trev Alberts about you, and he said, you know, you were really like family to these players. So I know you you got really close with the players. And so for them to have a dream come true like that, what was that like when, when you see their their goals come true at the end? Yeah, well, first of all, it's Trev's mom that made me feel like family. So <laughs> she was an absolute joy. I loved her. Um, you do get to know them pretty well. And I will say that particularly later on, like with Eric Crouch and um, Grant Wistrom, uh, Will Shields, they have to do some degree of interviews in order to get themselves out there. And some of them aren't comfortable speaking or just don't have a lot of words to say and so that's the part where I think you become pretty closer close and they trust you to give them guidance even if it's while you're walking to the press conference kind of thing so I think that that actually was one of the things that I was able to do fairly easily is they wanted my opinion in most situations and I'm always willing to give it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, for, for people that might not realize, it's changed a lot. But when you had first started, and, and Trev had talked about this too, when award submissions, which Nebraska has a ton of individual award winners, and it was so different then, and you had to do a lot of legwork to help get that out there because there was no social media that gave a, a ton of exposure. Not everybody was on national TV all the time. Yeah. So can you take us through that process and tell fans like what that was like when you were, you know, putting Trev's Buckus campaign together or some of those other guys that won these yeah. national awards? Well, again, I go back to Don Bryant, who was the sports information director for 40 some years before me. At the time when I became sports information director in Nebraska, I'd only had three ever. Mm -hmm. So um, he always on Friday nights 
literally took these big, huge film canisters with him. And if they went down to Oklahoma, he would visit each one of the television stations and drop off video film of, like, Johnny Rogers. Wow. Yeah. So I figured I had it pretty good. But one of the things that he told me was return every phone call, no matter what, and um, to always be personal and try to do phone calls, not emails. And that taught me a lot because I think that was very important. And um, through the years, even when we had some negativity to answer to, um, I just tried to always be accountable. And I think that is one characteristic I learned from Tom. He's always a cannibal coach. How do you balance, because the media coverage here is, it's not like this everywhere, right? And um, there's positive, but you just mentioned the negative. So how do you balance, because you have to be the voice that people go to, but then, you know, again, just balancing it all where you probably have to be stern sometimes, but then also be that voice in that face of, connecting the media to the players and the program. So how do you balance all of that? You know, it's changed a lot, even since I have been out of media relations. Mm -hmm. It's really changed a lot. And with Twitter and all the social media, I really didn't have that as my needed to handle um, in the years where I was sports information director. So I think we have so many great, amazing young people that can keep up with all that. But... um, it's, it was a lot to handle, but a lot of times what I loved about athletics was you concentrated on football, and then when football was done, you did basketball, and then when basketball was done, you concentrate on baseball, and then it's the, the seasons, and there's always a little high and low and everything, but it, that's what made it so fun was if one year didn't end so great, there was always something else right around the corner. But the media part was certainly important in um, – players getting some attention in those days because a lot of the media just didn't come to Nebraska. They would definitely see us play like in UCLA or USC or Penn State and that kind of thing. But you had to you had to recognize that as a fact in those days. You you had mentioned earlier that you wanted to tell uplifting stories. Do you have a favorite story that you told? Oh I remember one time, and I apologize, I can't remember his name, but I, I did track for like 25 years, but there, we had the first high jumper who was supposed to go seven foot. And Coach Pepin will probably correct me on this, but we, we thought, how can we show people what seven foot is? And I believe we pulled a bus out in front of the Devaney <laughs> Center and marked and said, can he jump this high or something? It was silly, but for the most part, we were... We hardly ever used gimmicks, very, very rarely, even though there's some great ones out there to be had. So so you worked during the time, hey, at the heat of this Oklahoma-Nebraska rivalry, well, part of it, and, you know, this rivalry renewed last year and this year, and you had talked about, you had, um, well, before we started recording, about how much this has meant to you. You're going to get to connect with a lot of former players. What do you remember about Oklahoma and Nebraska in this rivalry? Oh, gosh. Fumble rooskies, and they always had a trick play. Always had this third and ten, and they swing it. You know, um, just some great players and and great names across the board. But um, I do remember when, unfortunately, we lost to Oklahoma. But when Mickey Joseph slid into the bench, 
that was frightening and it's probably the only reason we lost what what um what do you remember about mickey joseph as a player and, and working with him i remember his smile he was always happy always laughing and talking and and making sure that everybody around him felt good about themselves had a good time okay and then um i wanted to ask you about you have a favorite tom osborne story obviously everybody likes to stories Gosh, I think my favorite stories right now are his jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he improvises them to fit the situation. Um, he uh, he hated photo day. <laughs> <laughs> so we tried to make that as easy on him as possible. But like, he was just so easy, you know. Um, he would start most every practice report with, pretty uneventful (laughs) (laughs) was there ever a moment where you thought wow this this is what leadership looks like I mean was there any a moment for that with him oh I definitely um when I moved out of media relations and I started doing community relations I felt like I just didn't have the right because like you said I kind of had to be bossy to start with and I was trying to be a softer a softer me and I went in to talk to him about that because I had heard him speak on it and he gave me a little book on servant leadership and and told me that I could ask him any question anytime and that really helped me because then I thought oh I'll just if I could be a tenth of the servant that he is wow. and that's why I'm so thrilled to be back at teammates it's amazing well again honoring Title IX and its 50-year anniversary of Title IX, so you have a great perspective of that because you were here as, you know, women's sports really took off here. So how did you yeah. see the growth of women's sports into what they are today? And, you know, you've got such dominant programs in, a, in multiple sports here. Well, um, a lot of it had to do with media. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I first got here, um, when I came back, when I, when I first graduated, I went to Kansas State. We had already had computers here in Nebraska, and then we didn't have any at Kansas State. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so technology and radio contracts and then television contracts and website contracts and all those emerging media things, um, a lot of that really helped women's sports a lot. And so that really, I, f- I felt was beneficial. But you know, over the years as I was here, we added soccer and bowling and rifle and just a lot of opportunities for women. So I think it's, it's been a good thing. It's all about a fair opportunity to compete. And I think it's been good for that. I really do. Absolutely. So again, talking about how there weren't a lot of women in your role when you took it over, but was there a woman that was inspiring to you throughout your career? Oh, well, you mentioned one of them, Pat Logston. She had that calmness about her that never got rattled. Barbara Hibner was amazing. And Barbara would remind you that this is an opportunity that women never had before, so don't blow it, you know. And <laughs> and then Coach Ravel, because Coach Ravel was just so able to take what Barbara said and then spin it in a fun, kind, just happy way. And all those women were definitely mentors to me. I love that. Well, speaking of mentorship, I know you're very passionate about what you're doing now working with teammates. So why did you want to get involved with that? Well, um, you know, I, I was there when they started it in 1991, 22 
football players held up their hands said they want to be mentors. One of those was Mickey Joseph, uh-huh. first one of 22. And so it's grown now to almost 10,000 mentors everywhere um, in five-state region. And we've helped 45,000 kids with a mentor. And the statistics are phenomenal, but the biggest one over the last three years is that our mentees report a higher level of hope for the future. And they graduate on time and all those other things, but just reporting that hope, especially over the last few years, it's, and then our mentors report that they get as much out of it as the mentees. And it's all safe in school, so that's what makes it unique. But I just, um, I love everything about it, and I, I just, I just think it was designed to be safe and long-lasting, and Tom and Nancy's concept has grown, and it's and it works. So, it's it's pretty solid and brilliant, and works well. If someone wants to get involved or know more about it, where should they go? If they're listening in. Yeah, anybody can become a mentor, and we do have background checks that you must pass. Um, third through K, and then we have Teammates Plus program, which helps our mentors. We provide scholarships when they go on to college. So teammates.org, there's everything you need there to find out if you want to be a mentor. And there's 140 chapters in Nebraska and uh, almost 200 in the five-state region. So thanks for that opportunity. Appreciate it. That's awesome. Lastly, Godfrey, I mean, again, just one of the women that this athletics department selected to honor throughout this series on football games. What does that mean to you that, you know, you meant so much to this program and, and they want to honor you? It's very humbling. I don't feel like I have really done anything beyond what I was hired to do. But I think just being a positive force for people is helpful. But um, I'm very humbled and very honored and appreciative of this. Chris Anderson, appreciate your time and congratulations. It's been great getting to know you and fascinating stories. I could sit here talking to you forever, but I know we have you have stuff yeah. to do and we'll let you get out of here. Just a little shout out to Trev. Um, he's he reminds me so much of Coach Osborne. Really? Yeah, and I think he's read the book on servant leadership too. So. What, Appreciate him. What what besides that makes you remind you of Tom Osborne he's, and Trev? I think he's an excellent listener. He really engages with people, and I think that that's one very one thing that's very important to coach. All right. Well, thanks for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Again, uh, make sure you subscribe and like wherever you listen to never miss an episode right here on the Huskers Radio Network podcast. <laughs>